Jesus knew exactly what was needed to publicly declare himself to be the long-awaited king. And that was his intention, to declare himself king. That was the purpose. And this would be the first and only time that Jesus would encourage and receive the public worship as the Messiah that he so rightly deserved. But why now? Why? After three years of public ministry. Because now was the appointed time. Jesus must die. And he must die during Passover. Because he was the true Passover lamb, the lamb of God who was sent to take away the sins of all of those chosen for salvation. You see, the Jewish leaders had already agreed to kill Jesus. They agreed to that after he raised Lazarus from the dead. What are they going to do with this man who raises the dead? They'll kill him. But they planned to wait until after the Passover celebrations because they were afraid of the crowds. However, Jesus, the true Messiah, the very Son of God, knew that this was the appointed time for him to die. So he would publicly declare himself to be the Messiah and the King, allow the crowds to openly worship him, and thereby force the Jewish leaders to take action against him sooner rather than later. And all of this was according to the predetermined plan of God. Remember that Jesus had come down to this earth as the Savior and King sent by God. And he will establish his kingdom on the earth. But it would not be the type of kingdom that the Jewish people were expecting. It would not be a worldly kingdom. It would instead be a spiritual kingdom. It would not be established by defeating physical armies. But instead by defeating the spiritual forces of darkness. It would not be established through the military might of the king. Instead, it would be established through his humility, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That is why Jesus rode upon a donkey. It was a symbol of humility. He did not enter Jerusalem on a mighty steed or in a chariot. He came as a humble righteous king who himself would become the source of salvation for all who would believe in him. And he would become the source of salvation by dying for the ungodly, by paying the penalty for their sins, by taking upon himself the wrath of God due to us for our sins. That wrath would be poured out upon him 
and we would be justified through faith in his substitutionary death for us on the cross. Romans 5, 6 through 9 tells it like it is. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. At just the right time, at the prescribed moment that God had determined in human history, Jesus would die upon that cross. He would suffer in our place. And as a result, we would be justified before God. We would have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Make no mistake. Jesus is our king. And he became our king by dying to secure our salvation. And then by causing us to become his loyal subjects, revealing his love for us. It is through the revelation of his love for us that we are drawn to him. We're drawn to him as our Savior. We're drawn to him as our Lord and King because of his great love for us. As Jesus rose that donkey, rode that, rode that donkey over the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem, the multitudes rejoiced and worshipped him as the promised king sent by God. Jesus had accomplished his purpose. He had declared himself to be king. Now, let's look more closely at the responses that he received. Look back at verse 37 with me again. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. As Jesus came over the Mount of Olives, riding on that donkey, accompanied by his disciples and by the crowds of Jewish pilgrims. He was seen by the thousands camped in and around Jerusalem. And they ran to meet him, throwing their coats and cloaks and palm branches on the road in front of him and waving palm branches in the air, rolling out the red carpet, if you will, for their king. And as they did, they were shouting out, proclaiming that Yeshua was the long-awaited Messiah and King. As Luke records, some shouting, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. John records others shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. 
Thousands are drawn to Jesus as he slowly rides on that donkey. Thousands are declaring him as their king and worshiping him. Now, some of those were his own disciples, true believers, true worshipers. But unfortunately, most were simply caught up in the moment, in the messianic fervor of that moment. They wanted a king who would set them free from Roman rule and oppression. They wanted a king who had established Israel as the greatest power on the earth. They wanted what they thought they could get from Jesus. But they didn't even know him. It was these who would soon turn against him when he did not fulfill their expectations. And in a few days they would shout for him to be crucified. Jesus knew this, of course, and it was all a part of God's divine plan to provide salvation for those who were the true believers, the true worshipers of Christ. There was one other group of men along the road that day who were not joining in on the worship of Jesus. They were the Jewish leaders. The Pharisees, the ones who had been plotting to kill him. Luke recorded their response. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. These men were enraged. They wanted Jesus to stop this. Stop this worship. They didn't like it at all. They wanted Jesus to silence the crowd. But Jesus refused, saying, I tell you the truth. If these were silent, the very rocks would cry out. Jesus responds by saying that he is worthy of their praise. In fact, all of creation should praise him. And we know one day all of creation will praise him. Amen? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ as Lord when he comes again in power and in glory. His response to the Jewish leaders would motivate them to look for their first opportunity to arrest him and have him put to death. And that's exactly what God had planned. That opportunity would be provided for them in just a few days. Jesus would be arrested by them. He would be tried And he would be found not guilty by the Roman governor. But he would be crucified nonetheless. All according to that divine plan to provide salvation for us, for all who call upon his name. Now Luke records one more event from that day for us. Jesus weeping. Look down at verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you to the ground, you and your children within you. 
And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus wept. His compassion was seen. It was, it was visible. It seemed like a day of triumph for Jesus. But as he drew near to Jerusalem, he began to weep. The Greek word here means to wail or to weep aloud. His soul was grieving. Note this. He did not weep for himself. Even knowing what he was facing over the next few days. He was weeping for all of those who would reject him. All who would refuse to believe in him as their savior. For all who refuse to put their faith in Jesus will be subject to the wrath of God for their sins and for their unbelief. He was weeping with compassion for all of those who would not accept that he came to bring them peace. Peace with God. Peace through faith in his substitutionary death upon the cross. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. We all need that peace. We all need that peace. The peace with God through faith in his son. That peace that Jesus offers. The things that make for peace are surrender and submission to the king sent by God. Surrender and submission to Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus clearly knows the fate that will befall the non-believing Jews living in Jerusalem. God will bring judgment upon them. This is a historical event. God will bring judgment upon them in the form of a Roman legion commanded by the Roman general Titus. In 70 AD... 40 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the Roman general Titus and his forces will surround Jerusalem. They will set up siege works surrounding the city and they will starve the inhabitants for five months. Then they will attack the city and utterly destroy it. With most of the residents being killed and the rest being sold into slavery. Jesus knows the fate of the thousands who were at that moment proclaiming him as king but will in a few days turn against him. And it breaks his heart. They are unwilling to repent. They are unwilling to put their faith in him and they will suffer the consequences. And it breaks his heart. All of this happened just the way Jesus said it would, according to the divine justice of God. Those who rejected his son are judged and punished by the Father. The utter destruction of Jerusalem was but a small preview of the final judgment that is yet to come for all who refuse to accept Jesus as their Savior and Lord. 
all who refuse to live in service to Jesus as their king will face the consequences of their spiritual rebellion. On the other hand, how blessed are all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Amen? For us, His death, burial, and resurrection have resulted in our sins being removed and our being forgiven and credited with His righteousness. Not only that, but we've been adopted into the family of God, His church. And we have been granted eternal life and eternal peace with God. This is what we celebrate today. This is what we celebrate next Sunday. This is what we celebrate every day of the rest of our eternal lives. Our King has come. Our King has saved us. And our King will return in all His glory. Amen? We are of all people on this earth most blessed. So that leads to this question. What is your response to Jesus as king? Many to this day reject Jesus. They deny that Jesus is the son of God. They deny that he is the Messiah or savior. They deny that he is the king over all creation. Others will acknowledge belief in Jesus as long as he gives them what they want and makes no demand upon them. They like the idea of him being their savior, but they do not want to submit to him ruling over their lives as king or lord. Listen to me. The only proper response to Jesus is to trust in him by faith for your salvation and to submit to him as lord and king. Because he is. And you have a choice. He died for us so that we might live for him. He died for us so that we might glorify him and we might tell others about him. And when we do, we are blessed. Amen? Today, We will celebrate the baptism of three people who have done just that. They have believed in Jesus. They have trusted in him for their salvation. And they are now living to serve him. And they are declaring this today to us as they submit to his command to be baptized. And we rejoice with them. And we rejoice with all who are truly saved through trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this wonderful opportunity you've given us today to gather here and to worship you, to give glory to you for what you have done in saving us. Father, we thank you for all who are visiting here today. And we pray, Father God, that you would draw each one of us to yourself. Open our eyes that we might see Jesus for who he truly is. 
Give us saving faith to trust in him. Help us, Father God, to surrender our lives to him, to live for him, to serve him as our Lord and King. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us to celebrate these three who you have brought into your family. We thank you for them, Father God. We thank you for your saving grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who changes our hearts. We thank you, Father God, for the family of God that you've made us a part of. And we pray, Father, that you will help each and every one of us to continue to live our lives in such a way that we bring glory to you. And we give you thanks for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Don.